This is episode 115 of the Landscape Photography Show, and on today's podcast, we're talking with photographer Kath Samard. Now, before we get into today's episode, I just want to send a message out to everybody. You know, there are different ways to make an income as a photographer. There are different ways to be an artist and have the ability to support yourself. This podcast is centered around the stories of how people do that and the journey that took them that direction. This podcast is Switzerland. This podcast gives people a platform to be vulnerable, to talk about what interests them, to talk about their experiences in a completely non-judgmental manner. This podcast has the ability to bridge the gap on some very controversial topics, some very sensitive topics, and we've seen that throughout the history of this podcast. So when people get on here and talk about NFTs, it is not my job to sway the audience one way or the other. My job as somebody who interviews people, is to hear them, allow them to be heard, respect them, and listen to their story, and ask questions that get to reveal parts of themselves, not only to themselves, but to everybody listening as well. So just because somebody comes on here and talks about NFTs specifically, if you don't like to listen to that, don't listen. If you do like to listen to that, if you're somebody who supports other photographers, other artists, and wants to hear their stories, then by all means stick around because this podcast with Kath is one wild story. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? We're joined by Kath Samard joining us from Canada today, actually in a hotel room. Kath, thank you so much for joining us and giving your time for the podcast today. Hey, thank you so much for uh, for having me. I'm just uh, chilling in my hotel room, uh, right, right uh, in between of um, moving out of, of my of my house and then finding a new apartment. So uh, yeah, it's a little bit crazy, but um, I'm happy to to be chatting with you today. Moving is like never fun. We recently moved into a new house ourselves, and I was a mover in college, so I like know how painful it can be for people, and just like. I think I lost so many things during our move and now it's just a struggle struggle for me to find like memory cards, uh, like camera batteries, anything like that. So, you know, it's nice that you were able to join us and have a microphone or headphones or, or anything really. Yeah. But now it's, I I'll, I'll have to admit, I'm kind of like surrounded by all of my luggage and I've only moved in, <laughs> in, in this tiny hotel room for, for less than, than 24 hours and I already feel like I'm living in a trash so I, I'm gonna have to get organized because this is not good. <laughs> Why don't you start off by sharing how you got into photography specifically um, if anybody is unfamiliar with your story 
and, and what led you to where you are right now? Yeah, for sure. So um, maybe to start with my journey, uh, a little bit more like in the arts. Um, so I have a background in fashion. Uh, so I did uh, fashion modeling for about 10 years. And I was also working as a fashion stylist for about uh, four years. And I was living in Montreal. And um, it was cool. I was having a lot of fun, but the industry was a little bit tough. And uh, I, I remember that there's a point where um, I was not really feeling fulfilled anymore of that job. So I decided to do a 360 and then just uh, sell all of my designer clothing and break the lease of my apartment. And then with that money um, from my designer clothing, I bought a one-way ticket to Australia where uh, I worked over there for about uh, two years as a farmer. So I was working at a banana farm and... Um, that was really interesting. It was a really interesting period of my life. And uh, basically on the weekends, I was just going out on adventures and I was documenting my adventures with my phone. I think at the time it was iPhone 3 uh, back in 2015 or something. So pretty old, uh, not the best photos. Uh, so I was just like playing around and um, eventually I got contacted by a brand who do bandanas a little bit like, um, like Buff. And uh, they were like, hey, Kat, we love your photography. Uh, we would love uh, for you to take photos of our products. And at that time, I didn't have a camera. So I was I, I kind of pretended that I had experience <laughs> with photography. And uh, I said yes. And then they, um, I think they gave me a thousand bucks to shoot their product. And then with that money, I bought my first uh, camera, which was a Sony A6000 with a little 35 mil, I think F 1.8 or something. Um, and uh, that's, that's how I started to experiment with, uh, with photography. So pretending actually that I had experience with photography. <laughs> what do you think the part of the fashion industry, what do you think didn't do it for you creatively? Um, I, so I, I really liked everything that was around uh, conceptualization and uh, mood boards and artistic direction. I really, really enjoy that. Um, but I think that the fact that it was so difficult, nearly impossible to make a living um, was just very discouraging. And uh, also the industry where I was in, in Montreal was very, very small. So there was no space for uh you know new talents and new people entering uh the, the you know the the space so i just felt like i was on a constant struggle so i felt like i was not able to make a living of my passion and that's i think that's why i i, I quit it was it a search for freedom that you were looking for yeah i think so um so you know i i consider myself as an artist so uh, self-expression is very important for me. Um, so, you know, you, you can, you can express yourself in different ways. Uh, but for me, it's always been important to, um, feel free in how I want to express myself. And I think that fashion was not exactly it. Um, so that's why I just decided to start over and actually starting over is something that I've been doing quite a bit through my life. Uh, if, if I look back even before fashion, I was studying in sciences, uh, in biomedical sciences at university because I wanted to become a doctor. And then when I got the grades, I was like, is this really what I want? 
And then I realized that it was not what I wanted. And then I went to study fashion and then I went from fashion to farming and then farming to, to photography. So um, I think that I'm just someone who follows my uh, intuition uh, a lot and uh, who prioritizes my freedom and my happiness. That's really what's the most important for me. You know, it sounds like to me, and I could be totally way off base here, so feel free to correct me if I'm wrong and there will be no hard feelings. But like uh, after coming off of something like your fashion career and, and working in that industry, going to a banana farm, for for me, listening to tell you tell that story, it just seems like kind of a wilderness period. You trying to find yourself, who you were, what interests you, just something to invigorate you ab- about life and about exploration again yeah no I, I think you're totally right I think you're totally right um I have to say also that um one of the reasons why I actually liked working at a farm was that I would just wake up every day and do the same thing and not have to worry about anything really so it was mm. very mechanical and just you know um compared to before where, you know, when I was working in fashion, I was in a constant, constant survival mode, you know, like, am I going to be to find, um, am am I going to be able to find, uh, you know, job or I was just like a really, really stressful, stressful period in my life. And uh, also mentally, I was not the healthiest. And I think I also liked just going from a place that is uh, a little bit more, you know, superficial and based on you know, physical appearance and stuff like that to completely something that's like at the opposite. You know, I just, I remember even my friends, like when I came back from, uh, from my two years in Australia, like they barely recognized me because I went from this person who was like dressing with like really high fashion clothing, like the makeup, the high heels to like someone who's just like, doesn't care and just, you know, crazy hair and just, I don't know. It was just a really, really a black and white uh, situation. And uh, I agree when you said that it was a, a period in my life where I was looking for what I wanted to do. And maybe that allowed me to give myself a little break, you know, like mentally and on the stress side, because it was not a really stressful, it was not really stressful to do that. On the mental side, what's the most beneficial thing that you learned about yourself during that period? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, I think I realized that I'm too much of a perfectionist. And that's something that can be good in many different situations. Even like today, I still have that really, uh, really um, high perfectionist sense. But um, I think that before, you know, the farming, it was to an extreme where it just brought me to really dark places. Um, and I was just constantly, you know, um, uh, you know, unhappy with myself and I'm unhappy with my life. And I feel that when you sort of let go of that feeling to be perfect and, you know, to be, you know, right or do the right things, say the right things, uh, it's just really freeing when you let go of that. And, um, I think that perhaps like this, this, this period when, when I was in Australia just allowed me to uh, completely cut off ties with this sense of like perfection and just truly, you know, be myself and not care about anything. So 
yeah, it's perfectionist is has good and really bad sides as well as well. So I'm still um I'm still uh, working on it even today. I think what's interesting about that period that, that you went through is that so many creatives that not only I talk to on a normal basis, but that I've talked to on the podcast, jumping from one thing to another almost leads from to running from something. But you took that time to sit with that feeling, process it, go through the motions and, and a word you use mechanical motions of a daily basis seems like it, it lended you a lot of freedom of your mind and understanding of who you are more and, and what makes you tick creatively, which ultimately flowed directly into photography. Yes. And I think it flowed also into hiking because but before so before like I was not that much active like I was not really outdoorsy at all um and I think that working at the banana farm just uh doing like physical work every day um just really helped me process my emotions and everything and it also really helped me ground myself and I think that that that's something that I kept you know uh, even with the photography. So there's even today, like there's many times that I just go hiking without my camera because I, because hiking and, and being out there and, and, you know, moving my body uh, and working physically is really something that really helps uh, ground myself. And I, it's, it's funny because I actually never thought about it now that you're mentioning this. So yeah, I, I think that's something that I kept from the banana farm, which was one of the most uh physical job i've ever had we were working 12 hours a day and 40 degrees celsius um i was the most ripped i've ever been in my life <laughs> it was it was crazy it, it was it was really really intense uh but yeah it really helped me ground myself and process my my emotions and and just yeah just be in a better mindset i guess now after going through all that you've definitely found your footing in photography, discovered your style. Who would you say you are as a photographer now? I think, I think I gained a lot of confidence. I think that that's the one thing that even with this year, um, I just realized that um, I have a lot of drive and confidence. And I think that this, this is how I would uh, define who I am. And um I, I find a certain um, happiness in being confident because when you're not confident, you're just constantly worrying about everything and uh, your life is not great, you know, because your mind is constantly sort of like, you know, putting yourself down or thinking you're not good enough. And um, I think that today I, I just um, learned to accept who I am and to know my strengths and my weaknesses. And uh, I'm just, I'm really, really happy with the, with all of the work that I've done in, in the past few years on myself. So photography, I think, is also something that uh, is uh, helping me to be my true self by expressing myself creatively and also doing the stuff that I love. Well, you, I think we need to back up for a second here. You said this year. Well, why don't you share what has happened this year to, to you? Yeah. Um, so maybe if we just backtrack a bit. So back in 2019, um, I was leading many different workshops uh, around the world. 
And uh, it was like one of my best year. I was just having so much fun and, uh, you know, bringing people to places, teaching them about photography. And that was really uh, my ultimate passion. But then when COVID happened, um, I basically lost uh, 95% of uh, my income. And uh, that was really tough. And uh, I was also going through a breakup. So um, I, uh, I decided to uh, drive across Canada. So I was based in Quebec. So then I drove across Canada and then I uh, lived for probably like six months in my car. And um, it, it was amazing because I was really focused on creating, on photography, uh, but definitely financially it was, not, it, was, it was not the best. I was struggling quite a bit. And, um, and then I, uh, I, I, back in, in, at the beginning of this year, I released, uh, my course 21 shades of blue, which was a really cool way, uh, for me to, um, to support myself. But then I eventually found, uh, about NFTs and, um, I would say that this is where my, my, my passion, and maybe I could even say my obsession started with, uh, with that space. And it was just so fascinating for me. And um, I feel that this year that, well, first it has allowed me to support myself financially, finally, and really make a living out of my passion, but also to push myself creatively speaking, because if you go, if you go back to like, you know, Instagram times, um, it's just like, you know, you post a photo and then a smart, small caption, and then just people scroll down and then they, that's it. But with NFTs, I have really, um, found um great joy into pushing myself creatively speaking into digging deeper into my art the meaning behind my art into presenting my art in different ways and in ways that are more meaningful to me but also into pushing um just the limits of photography in general with the with one of my projects free hawaii photo which we can touch on maybe later um so this year has just been crazy because i grew so much creatively first, but also now I'm able to make a living off my art. So um, I think that's why things changed a lot for me, particularly this year. It's a pretty amazing story, honestly. Um, you know, I don't get many people on here who have spent time living out of their car or living out of a van a long time on the road like that. Um, how scary was it for you during that financial, I don't want to say burden, but, but kind of fear crisis that you were going through? Yeah, it was, it was pretty stressful. It was a really, it was a really unique time of my life because, you know, I was basically just like living in my RAF war and sleeping behind the, the grocery store for six months. And, um, I just had I just had no way to f I I didn't know how to make a living. Uh, I was selling a few prints here and there, and I was trying, but at the same time, I've never been big into prints. Um, I was trying to you know set up some collaborations with some brands, but because of COVID, like all the budgets were cut off, and it was just really hard. Um, and um, I didn't see the light uh, for for a long time. But I never gave up. I never gave up. And I always knew that there was something coming from me. But I just knew that I had to keep pushing and be patient. And, you know, the only thing that I had to do while being in my car was just to get out and go shoot more and go hike more. So I think that was like a period in my life where also like the 
the creative side of it was really amazing because that's all I had to do, you know, like, um, for example, when you sleep in your car, you get woken up by the heat during summer. Like it's just the, 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 the car just heats up and then you, you wake up in the, in sweats and you know, you're not, the only thing you have to do is just get out of your car and go hiking. Um, so it made me push myself to, uh, to get out more. Um, so that was really nice. And also, um, it just gave me the space to just fully uh, be creative and do whatever I want to do when I want to do. Um, but for sure, you know, with the, with, you know, the mindset that, uh, you know, it, it was a little bit difficult financially. So, um, yeah, scary, but um, eye opening. And uh, there was a, a little side that was freeing as well that I would say. Hmm. Why is that? Well, because because I didn't have a lot to do on the job side, you know, I love, I love working, but when you don't have to worry about, um, you know, having a contract or paperwork or working on different projects at the same time, for me, it leaves more space for being creative um, compared to periods of my life when I'm really stressed about work and stuff, usually during those periods, I'm not really able to snap out, out, out of it and, you know, go out and create. I'm, I'm usually all in or all out on, on something. And for example, I haven't been shooting in a long time. Uh, this year was just fully focused on NFTs. So I can't wait to get back into traveling and shooting uh, in 2022. And I think for me, like the, the work comes in cycles. So shooting and exploring or sitting down, working on the business, NFTs or anything else related to that. Um, that's, I think that's how I operate the best. How would you describe your style in photography? Because um, to me, it, it's pretty unique the way you're able to manipulate a landscape and create your vision out of it instead of a single frame yeah um it's really interesting because i started in uh, i started to do composite pretty early on in 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 my uh in my journey uh so i started photography back in 2016 and um like even after one or two months i was already experimenting by adding you know different skies and different stuff so it's always been part of my journey and um for some reason, I, I thought that this was just something that was normal, that like everybody was doing. Um, but I, I, I really only discovered the meaning of it maybe a year later when people started talking about composites. And I was like, oh, OK, that's what I'm doing. Um, so I think I would describe my style as composite photography. And uh, that's also the style that is the most fulfilling for me. So, for example, um, I'll take the example of uh, uh, an image that I have created uh, from uh, a Cinnaboyne Provincial Park in the Canadian Rockies. And mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite image. And um, I went to the park, uh, I think, three times. And it takes about probably 30K to get to the campsite. And then from there, you can go explore. And there are like a few different hikes and, and trails around. And it's it's super cool. I really a really amazing place. Um, so I went there a first time. Um, and that was, um, that was with some friends and, uh, we had like just the worst conditions and, um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not, 
I usually don't shoot if I don't feel it. So I, I'm the type of person who maybe clicks like 200 times max in a year because I just, I don't like to just force it. I really need to see it first. So I, I decided not to shoot. And then um, I came back a second year, which was right between two workshops that I was leading. And I didn't have a campsite reservation. So I just decided to hike in 30K with uh, all of my stuff, like uh, camping, tent and everything. Um, and uh, just take a chance that there would be a campsite available. Uh, so I arrived there and there wasn't. So I had to just leave my stuff, uh, you know, at the campsites, um, under a table, whatever, and then uh, hike up to a spot um, where I found um, where I found a cave. And I really liked it because it was a feature that I haven't seen before. And uh, it was a feature that uh, that I just thought that was really um, framing the scene in, the, in a really nice way. Um, so unfortunately, at that time, like I also had pretty bad conditions and um, I ended up not shooting anything, uh, but I had found that specific spot. So after that, like for the for the year to follow, I started to think about the scene. I started to think about the cave, how I would incorporate different elements, perhaps maybe I wanted a night scene. And I think that the simmering is um, a very important part of my of my process. So I came back for a third time uh, with some friend this time, and then I found the cave again. And because I already had like a year to think through what I wanted to do uh, with that scene, um, I, I basically just decided to photograph the different elements separately. So I photographed the cave at blue hour, and then I waited um, a little bit longer, and then I photographed the middle ground just a little bit later in the blue hour. And then I waited for the stars to come out. And then I photographed the night sky. And for me, that was how I wanted to represent this, this space. Um, so I think that my style is def definitely um, composite photography, but it's usually a merge between my imagination and what the eye see to a certain extent. So sometimes I like to capture all of the elements in the same spot. And sometimes I like to capture all the elements from the same spot, but at different, you know, maybe one in 2019, one in 2020, and then mix everything together. And sometimes, for example, with some of my composites in Iceland, I'll photograph the foreground, um, perhaps, you know, from one spot at blue hour, and then maybe I'll photograph, um, you know, the night sky two days later at, at another spot. So it just really depends on exactly what's my creative intent behind it. And um, yeah, that's that's how that's what really fulfills me when it comes to, uh, you know, photography in general. You know, I'm glad you took us through step by step what your experience is and what your plans are and, and what your vision is as a photographer, because there's almost a stigma attached to composite photography, at least from from what I've heard of well, they just didn't want to wait on the right conditions and they're just going to throw a sky in from Bali, even though they were in like the Canadian Rockies or something. <laughs> um, how do you break that stigma or have you in encountered that stigma at all? Oh, for sure. I've encountered that stigma since the day one that I've posted a, a composite on my Instagram page. And uh, 
I think at, at first I was just not really understanding why the hate. Um, but also with time, I learned that the more you actually share the process, the least people will have that hate or that stigma. So hmm. now, you know, when I post um, a composite, let's say on Instagram, for me, Twitter is different, but on Instagram, um, I will make an, an effort to, you know, give the settings for, let's say, the middle ground, the foreground, and then the background separately, and then mention that it's a composite. Um, and that's just really for me. I don't think I don't think anyone owes anything to anyone. But for me, I've ha I have found joy in sharing the process and having people know exactly what's happening. And um, I also did um, I did um, like a little uh, video about the composites uh, with the the camera store, and um, that just goes. It's like a presentation. And it just goes through different images and you can see all the raw files, all the different pieces. And uh, sometimes when I get these types of more, maybe like more hateful comments or people that don't really understand, I just send the video and I'm like, just watch it and then we'll talk after. Hmm. And usually the, the, the feedback is very positive and it's like, oh, like, okay, like now I understand your process. I didn't know that actually, you know, it takes you one to three years to create a single image because compositing is part of your creative process and it has nothing to do with being lazy. So I, I, I there's definitely a stigma and, um, you know, I have seen people you know, just do some sky swap, whatever, but I don't, I don't think there's a problem with that either because we're all allowed to express ourselves creatively, like no matter how we want. So I think that, the photography space has a lot of people who like to have rules, but the only rules that you have are the ones that you have for yourself. So when you try to go like patrol and like control what others are, are doing, I think that's where the problem is. And usually I, you know that it's coming from a place of either insecurity or I don't know, something negative. And uh, for me, I just like to focus on education and uh, the positive. Well, for me and listening to, to you say that is is fascinating and kind of affirming of what I've been seeing in photography for the last few years and, and coming to kind of a precipice this year of we are kind of on this verge with technology, the way we're able to do things, where we create our vision as photographers, plus different ways of earning an income with our photography as well. There are really no limits, no bounds on, on what we're capable of at this moment for, for you as a photographer, as a creative person who has a very unique, specific vision, as you just described, you know, how, how are you hoping to inspire others with your work and, and motivating them to maybe think outside the box a little bit more about their photography or even the way they look at life? Yeah, I, I think I think I, I perhaps I like to lead by example because it's easy to say like do this and do that. If you don't do it yourself, then you're not really showing example. Um, so perhaps by being, you know, ultra confident in my work and you know in in some of the responses, for example, about compositing, I know for a fact that I'm inspiring some of my friends that are doing composites to also be you know super confident and and respond in a way that it inspires education rather than just you know feeling a little attacked or something like that. Um, and, uh, I just, I, I just want to inspire people to do whatever they want to do, you know, and just to be creative 
in their lives and also to take risks. Um, and uh, I think that perhaps by, you know, myself taking risks and putting myself out there that that might inspire other people to do that. And, uh, you know, taking risk is, is scary. Like I've I've been taking risks um, quite a bit over the last uh, year with some of my projects and it's not always been uh, easy and it always come with, you know, like um, ups and downs. But I think it's just I think it's just how you grow and that's just how you push yourself, uh, you know, as an artist. And that's how you push your craft. So I, I know that like staying in your little bubble and comfort zone is very tempting just to keep doing what you're doing or to do what others are are, are seems like it's working. But um I think that if you just really take the time to look inwards and find different ways to purse yourself, um, is is that that's the way that you that you will grow ultimately as an artist, but also as a as a human being. I would argue you've been taking risk even back to entering the fashion industry because that's a super competitive industry as well. Oh, for sure. What about for you, um, knowing? what you've accomplished in the past year and looking back to that period of farming, um, living out of your car for six months in, in the last year, specifically with all of the success, you've remained a very lighthearted, humble, uh, comical person at times. Uh, what do you attribute to that ability to do that during all the success you've had in the past year? Um, it's a really good question. Um, I'll have to be, I'll have to be honest. I don't deal, I don't deal really well with conflict. So perhaps just always trying to see the, the bright side or the positive, uh, way in any sort of conflict just really helps me deal with stuff. And, uh, you know, by making a lot of jokes online and just uh, being myself and, and trying not to be serious, although sometimes I can be serious for stuff that I'm really passionate about or for some specific ideas that I have. And I think that's OK to be also serious from times. Um, I just feel I'm just really in the mindset that life is too short to be constantly worried and serious and um you have to enjoy yourself, you know, like, uh, at the end of the day, like you, you, you have to be happy and you have to find ways to be happy. And for me, that's usually by just staying lighthearted and making really bad jokes online. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, one of the things you mentioned earlier, and, and it's probably, I would assume you would categorize it as, as one of your biggest successes, obviously financially in the last year, your free Hawaii photo. Um, well, well, let me back up there. That, that brings up an interesting question for me. Where would you rate your photos from the last year on, on personal success for you? What do you mean? How would I rate? Uh, let's see, like most memorable. Cause you've had a few that have sold for a pretty good amount of money in the past year. Um, most memorable for you because we we can easily look at at finances attached to images but those aren't always the ones that are closest to to us so so maybe it would be helpful for us to see you know ones that you have 
sold or ones that you have created or even just shared in the past year? Like where would, where would those rank for you? What's the top? Yeah. Um, so I have two at the top of my mind right now. Uh, I would say that my Genesis piece, uh, Eureka, is definitely uh, my most memorable because it took me probably five months to jump into NFTs. And I was just like so nervous about releasing anything. Um, and I worked really hard uh, for, you know, creating like a, a promo video and really um, picking an image that um, has a lot of meaning for me as an artist, but also is telling uh, a story. And um, I, I think that maybe even like my entire Genesis collection as a whole uh, was something that was super meaningful for me. And um, so I would say Eureka, uh, but also Le Départ, which is uh, the idea and the image that actually got me on Super Rare, on the platform Super Rare. Um, so uh, Le Départ was basically the idea that I would um, attach an in real life experience to uh, the photo. And basically the person who would uh, purchase the NFT would get the chance to come on a five-day trip with me uh, in the Canadian Rockies and actually go to the spot that is featured in the photo, which uh, is uh, Spirit Island. And um, I was really proud to find something that was perhaps different and that really caught the eye of Super Rare. And uh, I ended up selling that photo for uh, for 30 Ethereum, uh, which I was really, really happy about. Um, and I think that was just like... Um, you know, a proud moment that I found a way to do something that was a little bit different from what we were seeing because there wasn't any, per, other than Gary V, there wasn't any other people who uh, were actually like attaching like IRL uh, experience. So that was pretty cool. And um, and then I would say my, my Free Hawaii uh, photo project, uh, which uh, was, I'm going to say by far the most... Um, the most stressful project I've ever done uh, because there was a lot to think about and uh, it was something also that hasn't been done before. So I wasn't sure how this would be received. Um, and maybe to give it a little bit of context. Um, so basically I had that photo who was uh, largely um, viral, but also stolen and I've never got compensated ever, despite trying uh, different services that, you know, have lawyers and they will send letters to try to recover a part of the money. I never got a single dollar. And um, it's my most, you know, viral photo. If you go on, on Instagram, you can still see it. It's still viral on, on everywhere, on Facebook. Um, it's also used illegally by, by many different uh, agencies and brands and companies. And I just got tired of this. So for that, for that specific photo, I really wanted to think of how can I how can I tell this story and make it positive and be innovative at the same time? And for me, uh, you know, by deciding to release it to the world under a free license um, was the perfect way to flip the script because you can't steal what you're being given. And that was also, um, you know, a, a way for me to gain back control by letting go of control, if that makes sense. So that, that entire project just really blew up. And uh, I was um, lucky enough to find a collector who was seeing the value. And he's also pro CCO. Now he's just like all over CCO, which is really cool to see. Um, but I think that that specific image just really um, helped push 
the CCO movement amongst the photography community. And uh, I can really see that uh, this this specific uh, you know photo is going to leave a mark uh, in the NFT space. So I would say that these three photos are the ones that um, that um, yeah are at the top of my head. Why do you believe in CCO so much? It's 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 really interesting. I I think that CCO is just sharing free information and access. But I don't think it makes sense necessarily for everything, because if you're already able to monetize your images with prints, with licensing, perhaps CCO doesn't make sense. But for, you know, people like me who who have had their work stolen and have never been able to monetize, um, then CCO makes sense. And um, I think that the entire concept of CCO is also really um going to pair with NFTs. And it's just really reinforcing the importance of provenance and the importance of NFTs. And you're basically just being like, you know what? I think what's important is only the NFT. And I just let go of all of the rights for anything else because I believe that the value only lies within the NFT. So that's a very extreme, extreme way to think, which might only make sense for uh, specific situations. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, for certain projects, it, it's the future. And we've been seeing that uh, in many different projects as well. And it's just really helping uh, with the awareness and uh, exposure. And um, overall, like all of that sharing is helping bring up the value of these projects as well. Um, so it's, it's really interesting. I would say it's case by case. Um, but I do, I do see... Um, uh, that it's going to play an important part uh, in the future for NFTs. Pushback you've gotten is what? Pushback, uh, pushback as of like backlash or? For CCO. Oh, you mean like stuff that I don't think is good for CCO? Yeah. Um. Well, I... I think it just got, comes back to, you know, if if you're a photographer who's able to monetize their work with prints, with licensing and when, with all of that stuff, I don't necessarily feel that CCO is, you know, a path, an obligatory like uh, path to take. I think it's more if you're interested in exploring um, other ideas outside of the traditional licensing that we know then, you know, that makes sense. Um, like for me, I don't think I'm going to put CC on all of my photos, especially not the ones that I'm able to sell as prints and license. Uh, but I, I am thinking of uh, perhaps like including CCO in some of my future releases, um, you know, images that, ha- that have been stolen. So yeah, that's that's what I think. You know, I'm curious, do you see yourself as a leader for the future of photographers? Because you've really taken risks in the last year, both personally and with your creativity, not only with photography, but in licensing like that. Um, that's kind of opened the doors for a lot of people to think differently about how they're doing photography, especially as a business when you're attaching finances to it. Yeah, I... 
it's funny because when people ask me for like advices, let's say, you know, within the NFT space and stuff, I it's it's hard for me to give advice because even if I give advice, it doesn't mean that it's it's like it's gonna it, it's gonna work, you know. Um, and um, I I I like to think of myself as someone who takes risks, but I don't know if I if I would recommend anyone to do, you know, exactly like me because there's a lot of ups and downs, and just like you need to be ready to. <laughs> for the downs you know it's not all uh it's not all like good and and positivity like i when you take risks you 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 always get certain backlash um so i like maybe to think that i inspire people to take risks and to just you know go further than you know that that sort of like bubbles and the rules that we have in general not only in nfts but like for photography um but you also need to be ready for uh, for the downs as well. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Are you comfortable being in that position? Um, I don't know, to be honest. I don't know because I haven't really... It was not my intention at all. And, uh, you know, like now I just try to help people as much as I can. But at the end of the day, like I'm an introvert. Like I'm 99% introvert according to the the mayor's briggs test so i'm i'm on i'm on a very very uh you know left side of it um and i like being with people i like i like talking with people but at the end of the day what makes me happy is to get out hike and create and being in a position of leadership puts me sometimes you know it's it's just it it uh obligates me to certain stuff uh which i didn't really ask for so i think for me i'm i'm just like flirting with that line of like trying to be there as much as I can for people and trying to be present and trying to, um, you know, lead by example, perhaps and inspire people. But also I'm trying to balance this with, you know, my own stuff and, and, and um, just not forgetting like why I'm here and I'm here to create and express myself. Um, yeah. So it's an interesting question. I haven't had this one asked before. So, Yeah. Well, I, I think it's interesting for a lot of photographers because we are ultimately, I won't speak for everybody, but largely introverted, uh, myself included. And being at the forefront of a lot of things, especially using voice, putting your face on, on certain projects, putting your face on social media, uh, being viewed as this like revolutionary leader or something like that. I don't know, glorified... I don't even know um, what kind of leader like photographers would be, but oftentimes we, we retreat back to nature and and that's kind of where my next question leads is, is has nature for you and photography, even creativity always been the, the respite from the, the busy world that we're surrounded by? Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I, perhaps needs need to push myself to do sometimes because when I get caught up like into work it's more difficult for me to be like okay like once once a week I'm gonna get out I like like I said I I I work with cycles so I can be for example really deep into uh creating hiking for a few months at a time and then I have periods where I'm really more focused on work 
So um, I think that I think that I have to push myself to do those things, especially during like really busy times and, uh, you know, high, highly uh, stressful times. Um, but that's a need. Like I can see my personality change when I don't go outside and I don't create. And um, it's just really a way for me to recharge from everything. So I would say photography. I would say um, hiking as well. Um, so moving my body in any any way possible. So either hiking or going to the gym, like that's really something that I need to uh, at least find some sort of balance because I can't say that I'm the most balanced person. Like I, if you ask me, Kat, what's, what are your advice on having a balanced life? I, I can't respond to that because I've never really had a balanced life. I, do, I don't know how to have a balanced life. I'm, a, I'm either all in or all out. So yeah. Well, that's clear. Before we even started recording, you said you're sleeping six hours a day and drinking four Red Bulls a day. So, <laughs> yeah, that that that's the way that I'm doing now to survive. For your unique style, have you pulled inspiration from any other photographers or creatives, or is it kind of just something that's blossomed out of your imagination? Um, I so I have. One photographer who's inspired me since day one, uh, not only for um, you know compositing and panoramas and and moody scenes, but also for uh, workshops. And that's Max Rive, Max Rive uh, photography. He's just his style has always sparked so much um, interest, and uh, I've I've always been just really really inspired by you know his style, but also the places that he visits. You know, he goes really out inside the mountains to find these unique, uh, uh, like perspective and composition that, and that's always what has inspired me. So I, you know what, like there's many people who inspired me, but I think he's definitely, um, the number one, like by far. You know, I think the overall theme for our discussion today has been, like starting over and being comfortable with just kind of throwing your chips in on, on a new idea and restarting creativity and restarting who, who you are and what makes you happy and rediscovering yourself over and over it. When you look into 2022 uh, and we're recording this on December 29th. So it's pretty fresh on, I'm sure everybody's mind of, you know, new year, new goals. Um, what do you see yourself doing? Or do you see yourself starting over in any areas? Um, I see myself really, really intensely getting back into uh, traveling and hiking and creating because that, that, that's it, that isn't really something that I have done in 2021. Um, it's, it's funny because sometimes I'm like, well, you know, I've jumped from like this to this to this, but I, for photography, I just don't see myself moving from this. Um, I just see myself keep pushing my art to the maximum by perhaps, you know, reaching some really remote places, uh, maybe never photographed before, by hiking further, by developing even new techniques, by exploring uh, perhaps like, you know, new composition or new styles that I haven't tried um, so I actually see this as uh, the year of 
drive and just creating. Um, and uh, that's, I just want to go all in into that. And uh, I've actually canceled all of my workshops for 2022. Uh, yes, for COVID, but also because I just want to completely shift back my focus uh, onto creating. And uh, I just, it's just, it's a need that I have right now. And it's, I feel like I'm starving a little bit. So um, yeah, so that's, that's what I want to do in 2022. And just before we, we got on here, uh, I did send a tweet out saying what I should ask you. And obviously there was tons of questions that came in that, that made me laugh out loud. Um, <laughs> and I sent that out just as a joke, honestly. But I think one of the questions that came in is, is something that is a common question that a lot of people ask, uh, but I haven't asked it to somebody in a long time. And I feel like it would be beneficial to a lot of people who are probably listening. Uh, and that was from Colton Batts. And he was just asking, you know, what, what advice would you give somebody wanting to go full-time in photography right now? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say be ready to work. Um, I think that's something that perhaps many people think that, you know, comes easily. Uh, but the truth is that being a landscape photographer is really hard. You have to be willing to put in the work and you also have to be willing to explore different areas. You know, you have to, you know, be willing to start emailing brands. If you want to get deals, you have to be willing to explore prints, licensing and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and don't be afraid to take risks because when you take risks, that's, that's how, you know, you, you open doors and you get a, like opportunities that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. So yeah, that's my advice. Well, she's Kath Samard. Kath, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, giving your time, advice, and, and sharing your journey with us. Thank you so much, David. That was super fun.